0: Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another fantastic episode of Talking Time Lords. This is episode number 68, The Lockless Monster. I am, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, my podcasting companion through time and space, we have Paul Gann. Who's Pete? What do you mean, who's Pete? He's a friend. He stepped on a butterfly. Now he's gone. You forgot all about him. Oh, okay. Um...
1: sorry pete (laughs) how's it going paul oh it's been uh it's been an interesting week uh well yeah um i would much rather talk about doctor who though than talk about my week so well then that's what we're going to do
0: we are going to do that (laughs) we are now three episodes into the new series of doctor who so exciting. We will definitely talk about thin ice here momentarily, but uh, first of all, we don't have any news this week. No. Nothing big hits, so we don't have any news to talk about. No. Of course, tomorrow, after we're
1: done recording this, there will be something major, and we'll miss it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, that always we'll,
1: we'll find out that the vault has Mondasian Cybermen in it or something. And... <laughs> right. right. That being said, uh. since we don't have any news, we're going to
0: take time. Here at the beginning of the episode to get some of our listeners' thoughts on last week's episode, Smile. So I've got two responses that I want to read from our Talking Time Lords group page. Go to our Facebook page to locate that group. We've got it posted on there. On the Facebook group, uh, Ramona Schnitger Gives us a couple of bullet points here in what looks to be very much a stream of consciousness. So I'm going to go ahead and read that here. Uh, smile. A look into emotions as seen by others as a virus. Uh, humans are herd species. What affects one human has a chance to affect a large, if not all, of the herd slash group. Other thoughts were that the episode was a re- remake of the Happiness Patrol. Smile. Be happy or die. You know, very much <laughs> like the Happiness Patrol. Uh, The Vardy (laughs) nanobots or mechanical Vashti Narada. Uh, (laughs) The kill floor is prepared. No blood, no mess. It's all fertilizer.
1: Um, Yeah, I I did notice that there was no blood at all. Everything organic was gone except for the bones. Right. You know.
0: (laughs) um, The doctor gets it wrong. The fertilizer is already there, just ripe for processing. The humans will wake to their own death. She's a bit melodramatic. Here. <laughs> in a game of chess, sometimes the winning move is not to play. Sometimes the winning move is to kick the board. Uh, in this <laughs> episode, the winning move was too easy. Was it the only option the doctor had? Was it? Maybe. Hmm. The only option for any semblance of a restart of relationships here.
1: Well, there was a bit of a um, hopeless one-sidedness to the situation. If you look at how overpowered the humans were in the situation. (laughs) Well, there is that. (laughs) (laughs) And then Chris Clark uh,
0: responded and said that he loved it. it. Reminded him of an old Davies episode. Just a small self-contained space story. It's what Doctor Who should be, not whatever he tried to do with Clara. Well <laughs> <laughs> At least Clark does not mince words. <laughs> I think we talked about that last week. <laughs> I think we did. I think we did. I mean Clara is a good companion. She's not my favorite, but there was a bit too much going on with her towards the end gonna lie. <laughs> um all right, so no news, so let's go ahead and jump right into our review of Thin Ice.
1: Spoilers.
0: We are at episode 3 of series 10 of Doctor Who, the t- episode titled Thin Ice, directed by Bill Anderson and written by Sarah Dollard. It was originally aired on April 29th, 2017. Dun, da da <laughs> The very, very brief synopsis says, The Twelfth Doctor and Bill visit the last Great Frost Fair in 1814 but something sinister is lurking below the frozen
1: Thames.
0: (laughs) So, Paul, uh, before we get into some of the details of this and some of the things that caught our attention, overall thoughts on Thin Ice?
1: In general, I enjoyed it. Um, I liked the creep factor in it a lot, uh, especially uh, with the images the more disturbing images like the child's hand sticking up out of the ice uh things of that nature i really think that those disturbingly creepy kind of fantastic little you know bits that they put in there really kind of do it for me i did i I will say this i didn't find this episode as easy to follow as last uh, week's episode um uh, it wasn't completely difficult you know from front to back but there was there were certain little points in there where I I wasn't able to grasp it as quickly as I wanted to in a populated environment let me put it that way gotcha and so uh, you know that that it, with the th- the way things stand for me right now with watching this with my family and having a Toddler in the room. I like to be able to follow the story without having to uh, backtrack a lot. If you know what I mean, right? Right. Yeah. This this episode, I like it.
0: It's not my favorite of the season. It might be my least favorite, but we'll talk through that as we go. It's not bad. Uh, it's not great, but um, it's pretty solid. I I like going back yeah. to the past. That's one of the things I do enjoy, and. It's kind of nice to go back to the past and not be aliens for once. Well, it was, but it wasn't. Well, sort of. <laughs> Let's just put it out here. The the, <laughs> the monster at the bottom of the Thames basically looked like a giant angler fin.
1: Yeah, sort of. <laughs> what little we... But anyway, we'll get to that it, later, too. It almost felt like a giant eel, though, because of how long it was, you know. True. True. But, um,
0: yeah, so... Let's start digging into this a little bit more. I do like the the setting. I like the setting of it being uh, (laughs) the ice fair on top of the Thames. This is something that I could never, ever, 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 ever do in Tucson, Arizona. Uh, (laughs) Land of cactus and desert. (laughs) So (laughs) that being said, this is something that apparently happened semi-regularly a couple hundred years ago over in England. The Thames would freeze over so bad. That you could actually set up a fair on it and have, you know, hundreds of people walking on the ice and elephants and tents and shops and acrobats and all this stuff.
1: Well, Um, the novelty of it alone would
0: attract people, you know. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Although you wonder how many people's feet were cold walking on the ice. (laughs) (laughs) That being said, I like the fact that Bill first thinks it's a parallel universe. Right. (laughs) Doctor's like, no. No, it's it's London. <laughs> and she she questions it, and he goes, "Well, you know how I said you don't steal the TARDIS. You just kind of reason with it <laughs> sometimes, usually yeah. unsuccessfully."
1: And she's a naughty girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh i would like to see the uh, humanoid female version of the tardis return with peter capaldi's doctor just to see the interaction (laughs) of that i think that'd be hilarious that would be fun
0: (laughs) that would be fun of course you know we really start getting introduced to the whole carnival aspect of this the doctor learns a magic trick with uh the coin you know how to (laughs) how to get the right flip of the coin for what you want. Right. Um, They get some meat pies and stuff. Uh, He he wants to learn how to do that because he's a thief too and he can steal anything in this shop. (laughs) Which, of course, gets him kicked out. Theoretically.
1: Theoretically. Right. (laughs) Of course, then later on, he takes his hat off and it's full of pies. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Is it really so theoretical? Mm, Doctor... (laughs) He changed hats uh, two or three times in this, too. <laughs> he
0: did. He gave he gave his first hat to the little girl at the beginning, uh, right. and he picked up another
1: hat along the way. The, the, the It was a different style, too, though. Did you notice that? The first hat that um, he had was a little bit more of the broader top, top hat, where it bells out a little at the top, and then the second one he got was more of the stovepipe style, where it was straight up and down, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, of course, we run into
0: the urchins, Um, as we could say the street urchins who of course frequent these sort of establishments to pickpocket and live off of what they can steal from others
1: it's had kind of an oliver twist type vibe to it you know oh
0: this is totally oliver
1: twist (laughs) in doctor who yeah they probably could have literally run across a kid named oliver
0: twist and it would not have been a surprise (laughs) but these two kids spider and kitty steal the doctor's sonic screwdriver and take off. Of course, Bill and the doctor take off after them. They get out over open ice to escape. And all of a sudden, these lights that Bill and the doctor have been noticing patrolling the fair start circling around Spider and the sonic screwdriver. And they start spinning faster and faster around him, emitting this noise. And all of a sudden, Spider is the ice beneath him bursts open and he is dumped into the frozen thames the ice freezes up around his arm that's still holding sonic screwdriver the doctor and bill run to try and help him (laughs) and all the doctor can grab is the screwdriver before his hand is sucked into the ice tell me that's not creepy oh it was (laughs) i was like really this is how they're gonna of course we we saw the drunk disappear right uh, earlier but i was like really they're gonna kick this all off by killing a kid
1: what yeah um which to me it kind of upped the creep factor for me, It, it and it, it also upped the intensity of the urgency of the story for me as well when it when they killed off a kid.
0: Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, of course, the doctor is happy to have a sonic screwdriver back and moves immediately to the problem-solving aspect of his personality. Right. Okay, what is this? How do we deal with it? We need to get more information. And Bill is just, yeah, she can't believe it. She can't believe what he's doing, what's going on. And she asks him, How many people have you seen die before? Yeah. Because this is, you know,
1: one of the first for her. Well, I mean, you've got to think about it this this way too. I mean, we've going back and looking even at classic episodes and things like this we've probably seen hundreds of people die in an episode before you know there are and, thousands yeah. of deaths throughout this mean, life of even the show in genesis of the Daleks alone we see an entire city of people destroyed oh my gosh no there is i
0: mean to be perfectly honest cuz <laughs> you know we see you know entire you know cities we see luxury liners destroyed yeah. um, i'm sure there's a planet or two destroyed in there yeah. somewhere uh, there's millions, if not billions, <laughs> of people that have
1: died over the life of show. the show that Doctor has witnessed in some form yeah. or fashion. And so, in his mind, he he's concerned about this, but he's looking at it from the standpoint of if I don't figure out how to stop this, more people are going to die. So I have to figure it's going out. To keep happening. Yeah, I have to figure out how to stop this so that this isn't an ongoing problem. And it's not that he doesn't care about what just happened to these people. It's that if he takes the time to stop and grieve over these people, more people are going to die. And, of course, his seeming uncaringness
0: just (laughs) is totally alien to Bill. Right. And she cannot believe what she's hearing coming out of the doctor's mouth. And he turns to her and says he doesn't have time for the luxury of outrage. Right. Otherwise, more people would die. And she's a bit offended at the yeah. way he just sort of throws that at her. Yeah. Um, and then she asks him how many
1: people he's killed. And the look on his face just tells her everything she needs to know. <laughs> he doesn't say. She asks how many.
0: He just, you, you get the idea that those stick with him more. But, you know, he's 2000 well, years old and doesn't have the time for the luxury of outrage.
1: In my mind, I was I was almost expecting him to say, being that he had gone through a war, he had had to do things that he didn't want to have to do. But he just, just he didn't say anything. This is one of those
0: questions that I almost feel like someone, like an intern at BBC, would have been tasked to go through yeah. all these episodes and find <laughs> out the exact number of how many people the doctor has killed. Um, <laughs> I volunteered for that job. Uh,
1: no, no. <laughs> oh wow yeah that would be time consuming no kidding. could you imagine going through every single classic episode and every single new episode yeah that would be you would wow. be having to watch those on fast forward
0: and then there'd be those <laughs> those instances like you know the beginning of series eight where the uh you know the robot guy gets thrown out of the balloon and yeah. impaled on the steeple and you're like well, did the doctor kill him, or is that just, you know, did he jump on his own? Right. Where do we log that? And all those sort of gray area <laughs> deaths that happen as well. Did the doctor technically kill him?
1: Does he consider
0: that this would have been him killing that person?
1: Right. Um, or is it just a happenstance of circumstance? Because there's you know? going to be some situations where he's going to be indirectly involved in it, you know? Yes. <laughs> yes. A little bit like what happened with Zod and his crew on Superman 2, where... All Superman did was take their powers away, and the results of that led to their deaths by their own actions.
0: But, of course, you know, we, we end up finally learning who's behind some of this. Well, first of all, let's, let's talk about this, this monster, because the Doctor and Bill decide they need to get down and actually see what's, what they're facing. And I really wish we had, like, a big, solid shot of what this thing actually looks like. Because they show us like its eye, they show (laughs) us some of its mouth, they show us its flipper. Right. Uh, And I'm like, I I would really like to see what this thing looks like. Um, But I know part of that is a trick of the camera to just say, this is really big, but it's also a way for them to be really cheap on um, how much of this they have to make.
1: Well, they probably, a lot of this uh, that was supposed to be underwater and stuff was probably done with practical effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that that like for the up close stuff with like the mouth and stuff, a lot of that was probably puppetry or whatever. I don't think so. I think it was all CG. Well, that's what people thought too about um, some of the underwater shots with Phantom Menace, and you come back later and you find out that it's actually not. It's puppetry. So uh, <laughs> yeah, but and, and but a lot with of smoke s- and stuff, you know. So. But with
0: the size of how big that is compared to Bill and the Doctor, I'm pretty sure that's all CG. I'm sure that is maybe. That being said, what do you think of of this thing? You know, it's giant, it's big, and it's chained to the bottom of the freaking river. Yeah,
1: that's well. The fact that it's chained alone kind of tells you there's more going on than meets the eye. You know, Um, and it's it's got these little pilot fish, lantern fish, angler fish (laughs) things that work
0: for it uh, that sort of lure people down. So this giant fish monster thing. This lockless monster can eat it. Right. Eat them, including <laughs> our dear little friend, Spider. Which, by the way, we find his hat in the monster's teeth.
1: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> See, things like that to me just up the creep factor, you know. <laughs> so, what do you think about this monster? And do you, do you like the, well, the idea, the
0: concept? I'll put it uh, this the- way
1: I would much rather have a monster that was done like this. Than to have one that was done, like, say, for example, what we had in Caves of Androzani, you know, because that, that sort of felt like a giant parade float or something, you know, (laughs) you know, or, or like the Rutan in Horror of Fang Rock. The Horror of Fang Rock, because, you know, I would much rather get glimpses of something that looks cool and realistic than to have full on shots of something that doesn't hold up in a full camera view, because that is where you, make or break a creepy monster or a creepy story for me is if it doesn't hold up in full view of the camera you just lost your creep factor and so i would much rather have something like that than than to have something that's subpar yeah i
0: mean it works well enough um i don't know if it worked quite as well as i would have liked because again i'm the kind of guy who i like to see what this thing looks like (laughs) i want to see this whole thing i want to see what the you know I would have loved to see, like you know, them down there up close, and then all of a sudden, I zooms way out, and we get a nice big shot of you know what this thing is, and then we zoom back into them, you know, <laughs> and we cut back into them, you know. Oh, I just needed one shot, one shot of what this thing is, <laughs> and I would have been okay. Like a helicopter
1: shot or something, <laughs> something, something. But of course, the TARDIS says
0: this thing goes around the riverbend. bend. Um, <laughs> Just around. the <laughs> We will not bring Pocahontas into this. Oh um,
1: wow! I can't believe you went there. <laughs> uh, that's what came to mind. I'm sorry.
0: Um. Oh. <laughs> but now we got to find out who's chaining this thing up. Um, yeah. We meet our real antagonist of the episode about halfway through. Uh, Mister Sutcliffe. Or yeah, Sutcliffe. this
1: guy was just despicable from the jump for me. Um, you know because well let's just be honest for me personally i cannot stomach a racist at all yeah. that's that is something that that really pushes my buttons you know yeah. um and so for his character to come out of the gate with that <laughs> it was something where i I almost laughed for joy when the doctor punched him in the face. <laughs> right? Which is very undoctor like for most occasions, you know? Right, right, it is. <laughs>
0: um, we should mention that he's using this monster. It's an old family secret. They feed it every uh, ice festival uh, yeah. with people, obviously. And then they dredge the river. To collect its waste, which burns yeah. longer, hotter, and more and provides more energy than coal, yeah. and it makes him a very, very rich man. And the doctor says this is, you know, powerful enough for interstellar travel. Yeah, if they were to use it that way, um, and so of course they have to figure out if Lord Sutcliffe is alien or human. And of course <laughs> he just comes out of the gate, you know, being racist and terrible. Yeah. And the doctor punches him in the face and says. Clearly human.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, see, I've noticed, at least for me, that some of the writing style in this series has been very Fourth Doctor-like, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Because of the the quips that he makes and some of the offhand remarks and just, you know, the the quirky little nonsensical things sometimes that he'll say. Right. And the thing is, because... Peter Capaldi is not playing it at all the way Tom Baker would. Mm -hmm. You still get those Baker esque quotes, but from Capaldi's point of view. And so I almost, because they've been writing a little bit more Baker, like for the last two or three episodes in this series, I almost expected him to go into this scenario and play it the way that Baker would, where he would sort of make fun of the person without letting them know he was making fun of them <laughs> you understand what i'm saying right uh, he would come off like he was trying to be very political or whatever but he the whole time he's actually making fun of them you know right and so i almost expected them to do that and then when he just balled up his fist and punched the guy in the face i was like oh yes 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 you know, because that was so unBaker like you know? Right. <laughs> and he had just gotten finished telling her that she had to work with diplomacy in this situation. <laughs> right. Well, well, I mean, we say
0: it's totally un-Baker-like, but it's kind of the other Baker-like.
1: Colin Baker. Colin Baker, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... It's very un Tom Baker like. Let me put it that way. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's
0: true. But Colin Baker would have punched him in the face and then just gone on a Shakespearean (laughs) diatribe at him.
1: Yeah, this almost feels like that they're combining some of the aspects of the writing for Colin Baker's Doctor with the writing for Tom Baker's Doctor and kind of blending it together a little bit. Yep. yep,
0: <laughs> With some of the attitudes of the first Doctor. Yeah. Um, so, but it, yeah, anyway. <laughs>
1: Capaldi's Doctor this season is very, very classic Doctor-like. Let's put it that way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And and the way he's played the Doctor,
0: the way he's played the Doctor has always felt very classic Doctor to me. Yeah. But the writing is now starting to match that. Yeah. Which is what's bringing out a lot of what I really like about Capaldi's Doctor. There's a lot in what he's doing, and the writing is really starting to finally gel with Capaldi as a character, which just sucks because this is... His last series, <laughs> so his last season, and we're not going to get more of this. It took them to his third and final season to finally get
1: the writing right for him. I love the fact that they're continuing his his progression and his growth from last series because I didn't feel that as much from his first to his second series. I felt like that, you know, you got some of that in the the, the season eight finale. But then you almost got the impression that they had to make him go through a midlife crisis in order to change the way that he behaved as the doctor because they couldn't justify it any other way. And so this is very, very much a growth, a, a very distinct continuation of last series where I feel like you didn't have as much of that, the, the previous series before that.
0: Um, one thing I do want to point out is that at the end of the day, the doctor presents a solution to bill yeah that they're going to use the explosives that Sutcliffe was going to use to blow them up to blow the chains off of the monster yeah and he leaves that decision to bill right and this is a situation very much like the episode kill the moon from his first season
1: only much better executed (laughs) yes
0: yes it's not a giant space moth hatching out of the moon egg um, and then laying a moon egg as large as the previous before it flies off into space
1: Uh, that's kind of (laughs) weird yeah i I didn't let's not i didn't like that episode at all (laughs) uh
0: (laughs) so he he leaves that decision up to bill because it's your world you're the boss i (laughs) i live to serve humanity
1: yeah um
0: and she makes the decision to free the monster
1: you know i i kind of get the reason why he takes that approach sometimes but that's really kind of going against his personality for a lot. Of, but do you think he you only know,
0: provides that option when he knows what the answer is going to be?
1: Probably. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I honestly, though, I felt like this time he was more certain about what the answer was going to be than he was the previous time. I agree. Um, because I think that at that point, Clara had become more of a a loose cannon. That's exactly the phrase I was going and, to use. And so he, I think that he wasn't sure which direction she would take. Whereas with Bill, I think that he sees that she is much more grounded mm-hmm. and very much more prone to make a better decision.
0: Yeah, no, it was, but that's what they do. So they, they, uh, release the Kraken. I mean, the creature <laughs> Sutcliffe, of course, is furious and races out on the ice gets himself uh, knocked into the ice and probably eaten up by his own creature, which is completely poetic justice. And the doctor manages to rewrite the will to have Sutcliffe's fortune, manor, and servants go to uh, the group of street urchins. Um, And while it is contested in court, it holds up and they become the new heirs of the Sutcliffe fortune.
1: Yeah, I think that's pretty sweet, actually. <laughs> you know Sutcliffe's long lost heir can't be uh, girls so,
0: right you know. so Luke Perry um, <laughs> ha- becomes the Sutcliffe heir and brings all the, the rest of the urchins with him Well, let's talk about this final sequence though when they return back to St. Luke's University and as <laughs> the doctor said they returned right back at the right time back up to the office before Nardole shows up with the tea. I put some coffee in there to give it a little bit of flavor. <laughs> I don't know that I would want to drink that. <laughs> I don't know either. But... Oh. <laughs> but he notices the fact that they're not in the same clothes that they were five yeah. minutes ago.
1: He's like, this is not acceptable at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not.
0: It's not oh. acceptable uh, you gave your word. You gave a promise. Uh, the doctor says, fine. We'll flip a coin. Heads, I keep my vow. Tails, you leave me alone. <laughs> and of course, you know, he uses the trick that he learned from the con at the carnival um, in order to get Nardle to leave him alone on the subject. And then the last scene of this episode is Nardle by himself at the vault. Grumbling about his situation, of course, uh, and something starts knocking.
1: Yeah, which completely freaks me out. <laughs> well, it completely kind of does away with the idea of this being some type of an artifact. This is more of uh, what appears to be a prison at this yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. And did you notice how the the gate on this thing looked? They finally backed up and let you see the gate and the door of how this thing looked mm-hmm. did it you remind thinking? you of anything it I, looked
0: vaguely familiar but
1: i haven't had a time to re- a chance to really study it well i'll be honest in my personal opinion just based on the metallic structure of it and everything i'm kind of leaning towards it having something to do with the cyberman actually <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible. I don't know for a fact, but I'm leaning in that direction, you know? It could be. Of course,
0: Nardol says that he won't let whatever it is inside right. out. Right. And will only let it out with a
1: proper request from the doctor. Well, you also get the impression kind of that he doesn't really know what it is. Right. <laughs> because. He was just as surprised as we were when the thing started knocking. He turns around and the look on his face is like, oh, my gosh, what was right. that? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> and now now it's alive. Now it's knocking.
1: Yeah. And, of course, the
0: next episode is titled Knock Knock, but it does not look like it is in any way related to no. what's in the vault.
1: Um. I did think it was funny, though, when Nordel basically says, I never asked to be put back together. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah.
0: It, it sort of continues to lend credence to my theory that he's a robot.
1: But it could just be his head reattached to his body. I'm, I'm leaning towards the cyborg thing myself, but that's just me. Yeah, it's, <laughs> that's impossible. Like,
0: that's <laughs> So that's kind of where we're left. Yeah. We're left with the doctor and Bill free to roam around the universe when things pop up. Yeah. And Nardole getting completely unnerved by the developments happening at the vault. But he seems put out
1: enough that yeah. he's not going to tell the doctor right away. <laughs> yeah, he he's sort of gives you the impression that he's like well, I'll just teach you. I just won't say anything. Right. And I think that that would be kind of an interesting way to play that if they want to prolong this vault storyline without giving it a lot of stuff away.
0: <laughs> right. Oh, um, man. So is there anything else that you wanted to bring up about this episode that we haven't talked about? Well, I mean,
1: for the most part, it was a relatively straightforward story. There weren't huge overarching story elements that, that lead you into other parts of the, the series or anything like that. It, like we said before with last week's stuff, it was more of a character driven storyline where you got to learn more about the characters and see the character interactions and things like that. And, and Steven Moffat sort of indicated that a lot of this series was going to be that type of storytelling. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest, I am a big fan of character driven stories um, I just would like to see a little bit more connective tissue with a couple of these stories than what we've gotten with the last couple. If that makes any sense, you know. Yeah. Uh, because we're we're obviously going to lead into something by the end of this season. Yes. And, and it would kind of be nice to not only get these nice little standalone stories but to have a couple of stories thrown in there that take you in the direction that you're going to end up getting to at the end of the season
0: yeah and and they're they're sort of threading that out and teasing that out with this vault situation right but it I, it looks like most of the stories this season aren't going to have any direct thread to the end game right but of course this is only episode three and we're still building up who the doctor is to bill
1: and she's hit a lot of the big points now well, we we've had three episodes in a row that are directly connected together you see one episode start at the exact point where the other episode left off yeah um and i like that i i like seeing that connectivity I, that was one of my favorite things about the classic series but it looks like now we're going to probably start next episode with some type of a, uh, at least a slight time jump because yeah. of the way that this one ended, I don't, I don't see that being a direct connection uh, come next episode. No, no, I
0: don't think so either. Yeah. We're uh, it's looking like we're going to have a bit of a time gap between this episode and next episode. I mean, they have to have some time gaps because otherwise, where are the big finish stories right. and novels going to land? Right. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but no, I
0: I think I think we've gotten to the point where. Uh, Bill has learned all the essentials about who the doctor is, except of course the fact that he can regenerate and he only keeps that, you know, he keeps that under his hat, uh, so to speak until (laughs) it happens. Like Uh, pies. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) uh, any other specific points before we start final thoughts and rating? I I think we pretty much covered all of the the big stuff. Um, you know, it's a shorter review, yeah, um, but it's, you know, it's fairly, okay.
1: I mean, it's, yeah, you said it's like you said, it's a fairly straightforward story. So, yeah, the, the only aspect of it that I got a little bit misdirected on at one point and I actually had to go back and watch a second time to make sure that I got it all was the part where they connected everything together uh, with Sutcliffe, mm. you know, in the middle. Yeah everything else was pretty straightforward because uh, I had to go back and rewatch that part in the middle to make sure that I didn't miss anything. Yeah. So I think we need to rate this uh, pies. How many pies? <laughs> How many pies? Was it fish pies? Was that what that was? I think it was fish pies, <laughs> which is weird. Yeah. It doesn't sound uh, appetizing. Them, uh,
0: we'll say meat pies. Meat pies sounds less disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, Final thoughts on how many meat pies
1: would you rate Thin Ice? Well, I, I liked it. I didn't – I mean, I I didn't love it, but I really liked it. Um, but, you know, I've been – I've given the last two episodes a little bit higher rating. Um, and I almost feel like that I have kind of started out almost rating them a little bit higher. Than I should have, not because I didn't like them, but because it doesn't leave me as much headroom if we have a super <laughs> fantastic episode in the middle. You know what I mean? Right. Um but I'm I'm gonna give this one I'm gonna give it a seven. Okay. Okay. Not because I didn't like it, but because I felt like it had room for improvement. Yeah. You know, um, because yeah. it wasn't one of those kick you in the teeth you know, fantastic, just knock you out of your socks kind of episodes. It was good. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. And, you know, uh, I, it wasn't bad enough for me to give it a meh type rating, which would be kind of a th- five and a half or a six. But it wasn't so great that I want to give it like an eight or a nine. So. Right.
0: Right. Um. Yeah, no, it, overall, it's fairly straightforward. It's it tells the story it wants to, um, and it kind of it does not move quickly, but it has a very measured pace throughout the right. whole story. Even the climax, when everything is happening, seems a bit more measured than what we've seen. So it's not as exciting yeah. an episode as some of the others that we've gotten.
1: It does it does have a crescendo, but it doesn't have a great crescendo you know the yeah the angle of the the angle of ascent on that crescendo is a bit
0: more is a bit of a uh is not quite as sharp of an angle as some of the others have been uh, we'll say that um, that being said you know it, it, it's it's a fine story it's it's not you know the, the storyline is sort of it's okay it's not something yeah. that i'm going to you know rush back to go watch again it had some great moments uh, like when the Dodge is the racist and <laughs> the the conversation about how many people he's seen die and how many people he's killed that those were the the two highlights the two big highlights of this story that and the uh, <laughs> the whole thing
1: with the vault at the end <laughs> so those those are the three highlights for me from this story nothing like revelation of the daleks i mean let's come come on you know <laughs> You're going to bring, you're going to bring the worst Dalek story
0: into this. I almost would have been okay with a subplot in this episode. Give one of those subplots from Revelation of the Daleks. Too thin ice, and maybe I would have been a bit more enthusiastic. Oh. Um, but because I'm not so enthusiastic except for those three big highlights for me, right? Um, I'm going to go ahead and get this uh, a 6.75. Really? Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's almost in the meh except for those big highlights. And right. they're big spikes for me. I love those moments. Those are great <laughs> moments. Those are great scenes.
1: Well, one of the greatest but, one of the greatest moments for me was the hand sticking up out of the ice but you know
0: <laughs> I'm, a, I'm okay i'm okay with that not seeing that again um, <laughs> oh man um, but yeah no i'm gonna give it a 6.75 yeah, yeah. six and three quarters meat pies somebody's taken a nice slice out of one of them
1: for, for, um, for you guys that have, have uh, jumped on board more recently listening to this kind of stuff, even though Jason and I do like a lot of the same things in Doctor Who, I'm more of the horror based fan of the show where he is more of the uh, exciting, uh, fanciful sci fi adventure, adventure, oh, yes. you know, fan of the show. So oh, yes. we kind of meet somewhere in the middle. You yes, <laughs> which makes me think next episode is going to be right up your
0: alley. Have you seen the previews for next episode?
1: Um, I heard about the special um, edition sound uh, effects and stuff that they're going to come out with for that. This is going to be oh, the, the the wood lice episode, right? And it looks freaky yeah. as all get out. Have, did um, you see the, the next time
0: the next time section?
1: Um, um, I, I don't think no. I didn't get a chance to see that. I didn't get a chance to see. I'm going to go back and watch. Okay. Going to go back and watch that um, probably tomorrow. But okay. Uh, yeah, I I do know this. They're um, at least in on BBC uh, BBC's online uh, service. They're going to come out with a special edition episode of this that's going to have 3D sound. And so yeah. if you're watching this with your headphones. It's literally going to feel like the sound surrounds you in like a complete 360 degree bubble. So you can hear like these woodlice crawling around under the floors and in the walls okay. and in the ceilings. Yeah, yeah. No, this is going to be... I really want to see it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: this is... Oh, I watched... I watched the the Next Time trailer uh, on YouTube before we started this. And, well, first of all, this is the episode with the caretaker, played by David Suchet. I thought it was the landlord. Not the the caretaker, the uh, the, the landlord. I'm sorry. It's the landlord. That's the doctor's title when he's working at Coal Hill School. Yeah, no, the landlord, played by David Suchet. That's
1: going to be interesting.
0: Yeah. And (laughs) apparently Bill and a group of other people are staying at this big, creepy mansion house thingy uh, that has a tower that nobody's supposed to go into. And the house is eating people.
1: <laughs> I love There's it. There's your preview. For I next love week. it. <laughs>
0: and it looks freaky as I'll get out. I've so. heard
1: that this is supposed to be like the horror episode of the season. I don't and know. We'll find out. It very well could be. It looks
0: <laughs> freaky. All
1: right. I, I wonder if it'll be anything like the Scarab Beetles in the Mummy movie. I don't know. You've seen that it's movie, right?
0: I've seen, with with I've seen parts of it.
1: Brendan Fraser?
0: Seen parts of it
1: yeah those i might things, have seen that i might have seen that a long time ago those yeah. things eat people alive and they're like completely stripping the flesh from your bones instantly you know because okay. there's like a tidal wave of these of these beetles covering you up you know um and on that um, <laughs> we'd love to get you involved on
0: the discussion because i'm tired of talking about beetles
1: um, <laughs> so, well, the, the doctor loves the beetles <laughs>
0: Mm, Different (laughs) Beatles.
1: Oh,
0: oh man. Um, But yes, we want to get you in on the discussion. Um, If you want to connect with us, make sure you go over to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash lords, where you can also find a link to our facebook group which is uh going to be more geared towards our discussion elements with you on the show and uh you if you post there you might have a chance of uh getting heard on the show like you heard at the beginning of this episode uh that's the first time we've been able to do that in a while and we want to keep doing that
1: and you could also have some interesting conversations that are not directly based on the episode uh, that's that we've just watched or that's coming up too. Sometimes we can do speculation discussions and things of that nature as well. I know there's uh, at least one speculation discussion on there right now. So
0: Yeah, all about the master yeah. and what it means for John Sim coming back. So <laughs> I haven't gotten involved in that one because it got a little bit too over my head. That being said, <laughs> so Facebook is, is our primary mode of contact, but you can also tweet us at at, 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 at Talking Time lord, or you can email us at <laughs> TalkingTimeLords at gmail.com. Links to all of our social media as well as links to all of our previously released episodes can be found on our website at TalkingTimeWords.com Of course, please leave a rating and review on our iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher or wherever you find our lovely little podcast. We would greatly appreciate that. please, um, And tell your friends. Yes. so That's a big thing. Would. Tell your friends. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, the show is back and we're back so far. We're keeping up with uh, the weekly uh, recording schedule again, so that's good. <laughs> And uh, we want to we want to keep this Tardis chugging along. <laughs> Anything else, Paul, before we we wrap up this episode?
1: Yeah, don't forget to check out our Talking Time Lords uh, sales page, where we have Talking Time Lords T-shirts. And if you would be so kind as to uh, go to our Patreon page and throw a couple of dollars at us, that would really be helpful too. Uh, yes. I'll just put it this way: um, if every single person that listened to this episode donated one dollar to our patreon just one dollar that's twelve dollars a year it would be very very helpful we would really appreciate that
0: we would for hosting <laughs> fees and all that fun stuff but if you don't uh, have that ability we also just appreciate you listening as well we're in the works on uh, creating a new tier level for um, our show specifically on the Thunderclack patreon. Uh, page so when we have more information about that we will definitely let you know Um, so if you want specific rewards for supporting talking time lords we should have something here in the near future for that any additional thoughts paul anything else rattling around in that brain of yours i just want to see the wood lice (laughs) <laughs> okay, um, and I am okay with waiting until next yes. weekend.
1: Um, <laughs> I really should not watch that trailer again before going to bed tonight. I don't. I get the impression you are going to watch this episode from behind your couch. Mm. Well, I definitely will not be watching with the lights off. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> All right, and <laughs> with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Talking Time Wards. uh This has been episode number sixty-eight. The Lockless
1: Monster. Uh, for Paul, I'm Jason. And remember, until next time, may you hope far flung hopes and dream impossible dreams. Thanks, everybody.
0: <laughs> Talking Time Lords is a proud member of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Visit thunderquack.com to see their entire catalog of podcasts, or visit patreon.com slash thunderquack to help support the show.
1: oh well (laughs) it's starting to make me think of bed bugs well you know what they are right in real life Mm. they're roly polies Mm. okay yeah and that's what that's what wood lice are is roly polies Mm. roly polies that's not so bad But I've never seen them in trees. But if they're the size of your hand and they're meat eaters. (laughs) Okay, you know. Yeah, that's a little different. If they're carnivorous, you know, wood lice that are the size of your hand, that's different. Just a bit.